You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you are looking for a regular battery or a specialty battery, stop into one of the thousands upon thousands of interstate battery retail stores across the United States and talk with a battery expert about the battery that you need. These guys offer high-quality batteries, high-quality customer service, so that's a winning combination right there. Interstate batteries, outrageously dependable. Hey everyone, welcome to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we have an awesome episode. Uh, we get into the weeds about arrows, the flight of an arrow, fletchings, the broadhead, FOC, uh, spine. We talk about what makes a good arrow, and we get into this conversation with Brian Broderick of Day 6 Specialized Gear. These guys sell broadheads and arrows, and there's a couple eye-opening moments in this episode that I feel any archer needs to hear right there's a couple industry going against the grain moments i i think i would say in here where maybe the information that you're being provided isn't the best information but it's an industry standard so therefore it might not be the best for you which means that maybe there's a change needed so i i i love podcasts like this where we get in deep with the tech talk right and then not not just the tech but the whys behind the tech we talk about aerospeed we talk about the spine we talk about how a majority of bow hunters are probably under spine shoot underspined arrows leading to inaccuracies during arrow flight amongst other things right so very interesting episode. I'm going to have to put this one up here as one of my favorite hunting gear podcasts so far just because of the the details that we get into and some of these things that I honestly didn't know and I've been shooting a bow for, man, a long time now. So it's always good to have some uh, eye-opening moments uh, when you're doing these kind of episodes. But it's a really good episode and we're going to start it right now. In three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me today, Mr. Brian Broderick. How you doing, man? Good. How about you, Dan? Man, I can't complain. I woke up this morning. Uh, I was excited because uh, although I can't go hunting today, I think I'm going to try to get out tomorrow to go hunting. And I woke up to a, a fresh three inches of snow here in Iowa. Oh, man. I don't like that stuff. <laughs> well, especially this time of year, I don't mind it like during the rut chasing deer, but it's April, dude. I'm with you. I mean, we liked to froze to death yesterday. It was 51. <laughs> Where are you out of? I'm on the Gulf Coast. Oh. I'm right uh, on the Mobile Bay. Okay, cool. And cool. Uh, today, Brian here, he is the owner, right, of Day 6 Gear? Uh, absolutely all right cool and uh would you say that your specialty is arrows uh yeah arrows and broadheads yep okay gotcha and that's what we're going to talk about today man we're going to talk a little bit about all of the gear that you guys uh make over there there at day six we're going to talk about the uh uh the category as a whole and just kind of chit chat about you know chit chat shop if that's okay with you absolutely all right cool well let's talk about arrows because okay. one thing that, um, 
you know, let me, let me take a step back. Let me ask you this. What makes, this is a very high level question. What makes a good arrow? Uh, if I had to, let's see, if I had to categorize what's most important, uh, to, to make an arrow, um, uh, accurate, which is, you know, what, what we're looking for, the most important thing is spine consistency. Okay. So you want an arrow that's built to the specs, um, uh, that it says it is. So if it's a 300 spine arrow, you want it to be, you know, over a dozen arrows, 295 to 305 before you even start cutting it and manipulating it. So you want a very accurate um, spine. Uh, and that only comes in higher quality arrows. Um, and then uh, straightness and weight tolerance, they are important, but they're not even in the same hemisphere as as spine tolerance. Okay. That is the single most important thing. And then for me, over straightness and, um, and, and weight tolerance is durability. Okay. Uh, because I don't want an arrow to fail. Um, and, and, and I'm not dismissing straightness and weight tolerance, but cause ours are, you know, 1000 straightness and our weight tolerance is within plus or minus two grains over a dozen. Um, but they really pale in comparison to the importance of, of spine accuracy and durability in my book. Okay. So you mentioned a lot right there in that, mm-hmm. uh, in that description, but let me ask you this. You, you go on any arrow website, right? And you can see the, the weight tolerances and you can see the, the straightness, right? If, right. And, and you mentioned consistency there. So does that mean that an arrow, if it's, consistently off of and you guys are what do you guys say your point oh 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 one of a tolerance and straightness correct okay so if and and that's a consistent level you're doing that at if it is a point oh one or a point whatever and there is a let's just say this hypothetical bend in an arrow but it's consistent is that still a good thing or is that the straighter the arrow the better well the straighter the better but um, so what I would say to, to it is, is you basically have one thousandths, zero, zero, one, one thousand straightness. That means that on average, um, uh, over the length of that arrow, it's not going to be out plus or minus one thousandths of an inch. So it's like a one thousandth straightness arrow is actually two thousandths. You see what I'm saying? Yep. Combined, but it's not over plus or minus high or low one. Okay. Um, and then, then you have three thousandths and six thousandths, and then you get beyond that in the real, real cheap, cheap stuff. Gotcha. Um, here's what I would tell you: we sell one thousand straightness arrows just because of obsessive personalities and attention to detail. At the end of the day, um, a human can't shoot. They, they, a human cannot shoot and notice the difference between a one thousandths and a three thousandths straightness arrow. Okay. They physically can't do it. Um, not the greatest shooter in the world. Um, uh, 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 the greatest shooter in the world can't notice a difference in 10 grains between arrows. So those things are not truly noticeable for, um, uh, for a human shooter. I mean, it just, it just, it's not, it just doesn't register. So, but what does register is the spine consistency, because if the arrow flexes differently from arrow to arrow to arrow, based on the different amount of spine, um, that's where you have all your problems. And what people don't realize is, is that, um, like when you get, uh, when you drop from a 1,000 straightness arrow to a 3,000 or to a 6,000, that basically is a culling process, okay? They're going through that arrow, and they're checking it for weight, straightness, and spine. Well, a lot of times when you drop an arrow to the to the 3,000s bin or the 6,000s bin, 
it's not just straightness that they're dropping there. They're also dropping, it may not meet the proper spine. Um, that arrow doesn't get thrown away uh, in, in all your other companies. It just gets dropped into a lower tolerance category, but it's, it's basically sold under the straightness tolerance category, but it's also spine and weight and all that. So when you're buying an arrow that has you know, a lesser uh, straightness tolerance, it also has been put into that bin for other reasons as well. So um, that's one thing that the, the industry does not tell the consumer. That's why we only do 1,000 straightness arrows. We only want the top quality Primo shafts out of a lot that are 1,000 straightness. They do meet the weight tolerance and most importantly, if they're a 300 spine arrow, they're 300 spine. They're not 270 or 330. Um, okay, so with that said, you're so you're saying that there's other companies out there within the industry that have a bigger uh, margin of error in what they're actually reporting that they allow to be called, uh, let's say, a, a 300 spine arrow. There's a huge margin of error. Uh, uh, I'm not going to speak to any other companies. I always right. only talk about day six. Yeah. Um, so I don't cut other people's feet off to make myself look taller. No, right. What What I'll say is, is that the accepted industry standards for arrows is very loose. Yeah. Okay. And that's that's basically what I'll say. Yeah. So. And it's it's funny you say that because I've watched a... You know, I'm a YouTube guy, just like everybody else is. They go there and they, they look for information on arrows. And you see these guys weighing, you know, they'll, they'll build an arrow. And then you'll see a, a 5, 10 grain difference in every arrow um, that they shoot. And, it, you know, not, again, not getting into brand specific, but there is a, a big you know, obviously as an archer, it's all about consistency and you want everything to be the same. Um, and when you're messing around with, you know, five, 10 grains up and down from what, you know, let's just say you have a, a 400 grain arrow. Some of them weigh 390, some of them weigh 410, uh, that, or even, even more than that, that, that to me just screams inconsistency. Well, if I'm being honest, uh, it, it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, if, if that 400, say, uh, that 400 grain error, let's say that it was a 400 spine. If you, if you built it, which let me back up, we don't build arrows like that. We, we don't sell arrows like that, but I'm not going to sit here and, you know, create this, this scare propaganda that if you're not within two, you know, two grains across a dozen arrows, you're not going to be accurate. I, I, I don't lie. So, um, no one can shoot that well. You can't shoot 10 grains difference. So don't worry about it. The, 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 the thing is, is if they're 400 spine arrows, that's where you want to be really hyper-focused to make sure that they are all very close to 400 spine. But here's where the weight indicator really tells you what's going on. It's a real simple way to think about it. So if you have 20 grains difference, say 10, 10 grains plus or minus, so you go from 390 to 410, now you've got a 20 grain delta. The only way that those arrows can be heavier or lighter is if there's less material or more material in the arrow, right? Right. And if there's less material and more material, that means that the wall thickness is not consistent, which means that it's going to be a great indicator to tell you that the spine is not consistent because the wall thickness is what generates, whether it's a 400 spine arrow or 300 spine arrow, it's how much material is used. Okay. So the weight is not as important a factor as your accuracy, but what it, how it is important is it's a, it's a basically a, um, a, a warning bell to tell you, Hey, if these things are plus or minus 20 grains, you're probably going from a 375 spine to a 425 spine. Okay. Because you have that much difference in, in material going into that air shaft. 
Got you. So it's almost like th- there's this this handshake between total arrow weight and spine. It is. It, well, I mean, it's just it's just common sense. Yeah. It's less material, more material. It, it's it's uh, you know nothing fancy, no scientific stuff there. It's just just simple simple math. Right. <laughs> so um, that's it. With, with with that said, then if there was a robot who had the exact same form every time he had the exact, you know, his release was the same, you know, we're talking about an equation now where the, a a hooter shooter. Yeah. Where the, the very, the only variable is the arrow. right? Right. And is there differences in, let's say 25 to 50 grain total arrow weight down, down range. Uh, when you start getting that, that much, yes, there is. Um, I would say that, uh, 25 grains you could notice at, um, say 60, 70 yards and beyond, uh, 50 grains you can notice, you know, uh, 30 yards and beyond. Um, so that, that is, it really, that is where you know, the, the, the downrange accuracy is where the weight will start to uh, kind of show its face. Okay. But at the end of the day, spine consistency, it kind of trumps everything. Yes. Okay. All right, cool. All right. So I, I'm, I'm online and there's this, there's been this huge debate recently about total arrow weight. Right. And I think yeah. it was in 2010, I was shooting a, I guess, an average arrow, an average total arrow weight. I, I'm, I'm thinking it was high 300s. I don't think it broke 400. And I shot a buck in the shoulder. It was like the biggest buck of my life, uh, probably 210 inches, a nine-year-old buck. Um, hit him in the, the, actually, I think it was like I hit him high, potentially the spine bone or the shoulder, and it, I had no penetration. Yeah. Right? Um, could have been a number of things that went wrong there. But now there's this debate. There's this debate online between guys who want to go basically shoot a crowbar at a deer or an animal. And then there's the guys who are still in that, Hey, you don't need that. You just need to be, um, I don't know. You need to be, you need to be accurate and you need to be fast. Right. Right. What is your take on that? Uh, I, my take is the heavier, the better, um, but not at the expense of aeroflight. So, um, aeroflight is the number one. It's, it's, if there's, if there's 10 things that contribute to, uh, to penetration, um, aeroflight's the first eight <laughs> in my book. Yeah. So, um, if you have a perfectly flying arrow, uh, and all of that energy is focused in a tight, uh, compact spinning projectile that's that's focused all behind the head. Weight is not that important. Um, but most guys are never going to get their bows to that point. And then when you get in hunting situations, you're not going to be able to perform that perfect backyard perfect form, perfect release shot. I mean, half the stuff I shoot, I've got a, you know, a leg looped around a a tree and I'm hanging off the back, you know, um, you can't, you can't perform like that. Like it basically a wind tunnel performance. Um, so what you've got to do is you've got to slow that arrow down a little bit because what you're, everybody knows the faster something goes, the more volatile it is, the more, sensitive it is uh whether you're driving a car riding a motorcycle running a boat whatever faster you go the more sensitive it is the quicker it gets out of whack the slower you go the more stable it is so if you slow that arrow down and you can slow it down by adding a little weight you're doing a couple of things number one you're reducing that that wind force on your broadhead um which is trying to push it all over the place the other thing that you're doing is when you slow that arrow down by adding weight, you're actually making your bow more efficient. Um, 
in simple terms, if you consider your bow is a hundred horsepower engine and you shoot a 400 grain arrow, say you're a 70 pound draw guy and you shoot a 400 grain arrow. Well, you're getting about 70 horsepower out of that hundred horsepower engine because 30 horsepower is going back into the bow in the form of vibration, noise, you know, all that jazz. Um, if you match the properly weighted arrow to that 70 pound bow, that's a hundred horsepower and you, and that heavier arrow can absorb all 100 horsepower. It's the most efficient. And, and the very simple way to look at it for people is, is that if your bow is shooting 300 feet per second with a 400 grain arrow, and then you put a 550 grain arrow on, but you only drop to say 270, well, you basically, you know, increased your arrow weight by what, um, uh, what, 30%, but you only dropped in speed uh, 10%. So that tells you right there, you were never using all the energy from your bow. Right. If you were, you would drop in speed 30%. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. So this is where a lot of guys, you know, uh, vibration, or uh, I guess the term is hand shock right? If you feel that hand shock, it may be one of the reasons potentially could be you're shooting too light of an arrow. Usually is. Usually is. Okay. So then as that, as that energy is transferred from the bow at full draw through the, you know, through the shot process, right? If, if more of that energy is absorbed by the arrow, the less hand shock that you will have on that bow. Yeah, the energy's going into the arrow. It's not going back into the bow because okay. the arrow's too light and can't absorb it. Man, that's awesome. That's yep. cool. This that's the stuff I kind of really geek out on, right? And yeah. so when um is there a perfect arrow weight combination like I don't you know like there's always 8 grains per pound. 8 grains per pound of draw weight. Okay. So if you got a 70 pound bow, you should shoot and you're a, let's call it a, a 29 inch draw guy or say a 30 inch draw guy. Um, cause most bows are designed and tested at optimum peak performance at 30 inches. Right. Okay. Which is stupid because the average draw length is 28, but okay. you can't get the high numbers for the advertising if you measured them at 28. So, so a 30 listen, inch draw listen guys, to that people listen yeah. to what that, what he said there, advertising, advertising should not be a word used in research and development. <laughs> no, no. I mean, if, if, if the archery industry had the bow hunters best interest in, in mind, they would basically put their stats up to what 80% of their consumer is which is a 28 inch draw guy right but right. they don't do that they put the stats up to what 10 percent of their consumer is which is a 30 inch draw guy 30 inch so, at a lighter than than uh underweighted arrow right yeah underweighted underspined yeah something that's never going to perform properly yeah so it's it's an incredible uh disservice that's done but it's just the way it is um so uh, so if you're a 30 inch draw guy with a 70 pound bow and you, you know, and you're in a match, uh, you know, an eight, eight grain per pound arrow, you're going to be about five sixty, right? Okay. So if you drop to a 29 inch draw, yeah, you're going to lose a little performance because as you start dropping and draw length, you have a less of a power stroke and the, and the bow is not performing the same. Okay. And just so in simple terms, so people can understand a guy with a 27-inch draw at 70 pounds is going to push, say, a 500-grain arrow a certain speed. A guy with a 30-inch draw with the same bow can push that same weighted arrow the same speed at 65 pounds. Okay. So it's just more efficient. Right. So when you drop to 29 inches, you can take a little off and say, okay, well, that needs to be around 550 
and you drop to 28, that arrow should be around 540. You can kind of whittle a little off. And this is all just rough numbers. It doesn't have to be exactly that. Just get in that ballpark. Um, because, you know, a, a guy drawing 27 inches is not the equivalent of a guy drawing 30 inches if they're both pulling 70 pounds. So you don't want to have that same formula. Right. A guy drawing 27 inches, man, you know, drop, you know, drop that down to a 520, 530 grain arrow because you're basically the equivalent of the guy with the 30 inch draw pulling 65. Um, and so that is how you kind of match up that, that kind of weight to a, to your bow. Uh, so you're utilizing the energy the most efficiently. Um, and you can go heavier than that and you'd be really surprised in as you add weight and went heavier that the, the, your return as far as your weight loss, I mean, your speed loss and things like that, it's minimal. It is minimal. It is, um, uh, you know, uh, it's like if you go from a 400 to a 500 grain area, you may lose 30 feet per second. But if you go from a 500 to a 600, you may only lose another 10. Okay. Because what's happened is, is you've gotten up into that efficient range of that bow. I'm, let's go back to the 100 horsepower because it's just a round number. If you were shooting a 400 grain arrow, you're really only getting 70 horsepower out of the bow. But you get up to, you know, eight grains per pound in a heavier arrow, you're using all 100 horsepower. Yeah. Well, if you go to, say, nine grains per pound and shoot a 600 grain arrow, you're still getting like 90 horsepower. Yeah. It's, it's, it's. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 It's a point of diminishing return there. So you almost can't go too heavy, but you can certainly go too light. Gotcha. Because um, the spine absorbs the energy and is not delivered through the arrow at that point. That's right. Okay. All right. So my calculation here is this year I weigh, um, I bumped up to a 512 total arrow weight at yep. 29 inches at yep. 70 pounds. So yep. eight grains times 70 is 560 grains. Um, and that's a seven, 70 pounds. Um, where does the draw length play into that equation? Well, that's what I just, that's what I just kind of went through. Okay. So gotcha. that five, that 560 would be for a 30 inch draw guy. Gotcha. Okay. So for you at, at 29, you just whittle a little off of that and you'd be five, say 550. 550. And then for a 28-inch draw guy, you'd be like 540 and so on and so forth to just kind of drop down a little bit. Okay. So, so like the perfect arrow weight for you, in my mind, would be around 550 grains. Okay. So I even need to bump it up just a hair more. And probably I can do that with – does it have to be in the arrow itself or can I bump up another 25 to – uh, 30 grains on, let's say point weight, point weight. Yeah. Like you a can, but, you, but, but this is one thing that people need to hear because you know, you've got all this BS on the, on the YouTube and Insta Google stuff, um, about the FOC crap. Yeah. And you can't just start lobbing weight on the front of your arrow because that changes what's called the dynamic spine. So, if an arrow is 300, a 300 spine arrow, when it's static and just laying on a table, it's a 300 spine arrow. When you cut it, you change, you're manipulating it. When you cut it shorter, you're making it stiffer. Okay. Right. When you add weight to the front, you're making it weaker. So you can't just put weight on the front of an arrow that you're already shooting and not, uh, and not understand that it's going to weaken the spine. So you may have your bow perfectly tuned, bare shafts flying like darts. You can't just throw weight on the front of it to get your weight up. You've got to do a combination of a few things. You may have to shorten the arrow an inch and then add 50 grains to get a net to get it to balance out. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and let's say there's only so much that a guy can do to yeah. – his this this equation that we've been talking about is it if it comes to adding weight at the front or at the back or splitting the difference and maybe doing uh i don't know heavier knock or more fletchings or uh i don't know i'm sure they make 
weights for the back end of an arrow too, as much as they do for, um, I guess the, an insert up front. Is there, is it better to split that between the whole arrow or just put it in one place or the other? Uh, that, that's a loaded question. Um, so let's say you were trying to get your arrow weight up, say 40 grains, so 40, 50 grains. Okay. Okay. But you've already got your arrows built and you've already got them, you know, they're already cut and you don't want to have to go buy more arrow shafts. So let's say that you throw 25 grains on the front of your bow, on the front of your, you know, go from 100 to 125 grain point. And you've now weakened the spine of that arrow because you can't change the length. But what you can do is you can, say, refletch them and add like a seven inch wrap in the back. Okay. Okay. And add, you know, 12 grains in wrap. You can go to a four fletch and add another nine. So you basically, if you put weight in the back, it stiffens an arrow. If you put weight in the front, it weakens it. So you can literally offset what you're doing in the front, in the back and not change the spine of your arrow. Does that make sense? Yes. So if you can, and you don't have to match it grain for grain, you know, you put 25 in the front and you put 15 in the back, you're close enough. You're not going to notice that spine difference. You know, you can't shoot that good. A machine can't shoot that good. Right. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's a lot of all the stuff that we've been talking about in the last, you know, 28 minutes here. That's a, Mm -hmm. that's a lot for someone to consume if they've never thought about this before. Is there, is there something simple, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, an arrow building for dummies sentence or something that you can say that can maybe have a guy go, Jesus, I've been doing this all wrong. And now they're starting to get stressed or whatever. Is there something that you can tell them to calm them down? The easiest thing to do yeah. I mean, the easiest thing to do is, is talk to somebody that, that, you know, uh, has it figured out. Okay. That, that is, that is it. I mean, I, I like, I literally tune bows over the phone every day. Um, you know, guys may not have a good shot near them or they, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, there's lots of guys out there that can help. Right. Uh, if you've got a guy that's got it set up, totally dialed i mean that's the guy you need to be leaning on to help you you know fortunately there's lots of guys like me out there that have uh companies and resources that you can reach out to and say hey here's what i shoot 70 pound you know matthews bxr 29 inch draw what you know what would you recommend you know, I'm not a speed freak. I don't care about that. I want the most efficient setup for being as proficient as possible on animals. Yeah. And that's where I'm going to say, okay, well, let's try to figure out a way to build you an arrow in that 550 grain range. I know what spine it's going to take. I know what kind of combination it's going to take because, you know, there's a lot of guys like me out there that have to basically set up dozens of bows a day, you know, you have to basically build an arrow system dozens a day for guys. Yeah. So you, you, you know, if a guy calls me with that bow and that draw length and that setup, odds are I've already set up a dozen guys in a week just with the exact same rig, you know? Right. Um, the other thing is, is that, you know, what I would say the most important thing for guys to do, it's a real simple process. You don't need paper. You don't need, chronographs you don't need any of that stuff you basically need to have a bear shaft and a fletched arrow you need to sight that fletched arrow in at 25 yards make sure that you can basically touch arrows at 25 yards every time which is very easily achievable um and then you need to shoot that bear shaft totally built up except the only thing it's missing is the fletching shoot that bear shaft and see where it hits in relationship to the fletched arrow. And that bear shaft is going to tell you everything you need to know. It's going to tell you whether it's weak spined, overspined. It's going to tell you whether it's uh, your center shot is off, which the center shot is uh, probably the, the lion's share of guys that have problems uh, with their bows. 
Um, but it's going to tell you those things. And then there's lots of resources um, to, to basically decipher, you know, what information you're getting from where that impact point is with that bear shaft. Okay. So um, center shot real quick. What's that terminology? Okay. So the string is traveling in a straight line. It's pushing the arrow in a straight line. And if the rest is not dead center in the path of that string, you're going to, it's going to kick. Gotcha. Like shooting around a corner. Gotcha. So yeah. it's going to, it's going to be, you're going to be shooting at an angle. So basically it's uh, from where the arrow is knocked to where the rest is. That has to be perfectly level. No, that, no? no that's, that's up and down. What I'm okay. saying is, is the, 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 pat, the, the travel of the string. The string is the string is going completely, you know, it's going straight forward. Oh, knock! Uh, what's that called? Is that called knock travel? Well, that is knock travel, but it's not really no. Okay. So, all right. So, when you release when you release the string, it's going to go. Let's say that it's going to go uh, at a heading of 180 degrees. Okay, straight ahead. But you, but as it's go as it's going forward and the arrow is going forward in a plane, your rest may be at 170 degrees. It may be off. So the string's trying to go straight, but the rest is off to the left a little bit. I gotcha. So it's 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 putting that arrow in a bind and forcing it around the corner. So it's coming off the bow where it's having to basically like shoot around a corner. Okay. Gotcha. So. That is that is ninety percent of people's problem. Okay. And so you, th- when you look at your arrow and your and your rest, and you know people will set the rest up thirteen sixteenths from the inside of the riser to the center of the rest, and that's true square center of the bow. But that bow may not be perfectly true. The top limb may be leaning over to the left. You know. Um, a sixteenth of an inch. The bottom limb may be leaning over a sixteenth of an inch. The cam may be leaning over this way. There's all these different things to where the true center point of where that string wants to travel may not be the true center point of that riser shelf. So when you have your arrow sitting on your bow and you look down, you know how it's perfectly in line with your stabilizer? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you that with most bows, if that arrow is perfectly parallel with your stabilizer, it's probably not tuned because there's very few bows that are actually true center and the string travels true center. Okay. Is that that something that has to be done in a bow shop to fix or is it just manufacturing tolerances? It's manufacturing tolerances. So you got, you got two ways of doing it. Okay. You, You can move your rest left and right to where you get, basically get the rest if you can basically picture your rest like a ring and you're trying to push the arrow through that ring without touching the wall the inside wall of the ring okay so if that ring is off to the left or the right that arrow is going to be rubbing on one side of it gotcha okay gotcha yep so what you're trying to do is, is you're trying to move your rest left and right so when you shoot, there's no contact with the ring, the ring. The arrow goes right through it and doesn't make any contact. Got and you. that way the rest is not manipulating or changing the path of what that arrow wants to naturally take. Got you. All Once right. you do that, you don't need veins. You don't need fletchings. You don't need anything. You can shoot bare shafts as far as you want to shoot. Okay. Then when you put your veins on, their only job is to offset the steering and the planing of a broadhead. Okay. All right. That's a kind of an eye opening. That's kind of, so, so if your bow bow is tuned 100% perfectly, the most efficient it can be an arrow doesn't necessarily need fletchings. It doesn't. No, it's not necessarily. It doesn't need fletchings. It doesn't. No, <laughs> no. That's the crazy. Only thing, so, so think about this. Think about when you have your your the front end of your truck or your car is out of alignment, right? Right. And it's wanting to pull to the right, so you're having to take the steering wheel and pull it back to the left to keep it going straight. Well, that's what the fletching's doing on an improperly tuned shaft. 
Okay. The shaft's wanting to go right because the rest or the center shot or whatever is planing it that way. But the fletchings are pulling it hard back left. So they're already under load and stress fighting that arrow, okay? But if you get it to where the, the that bear shaft will just fly perfect without them, then the fletching's just along for the ride. Then when you put the surface area of a broadhead on the front and it's grabbing air and doing all its things, well, let's say that you've got, you know, um, one square inch of broadhead surface on the front that's, you know, trying to do its own thing. Well, you've got six square inches of veins in the back that totally dominate the planing surface of the front of that broadhead. I gotcha. So it basically just kicks its butt. It can't, it doesn't let it do what it wants to do. It's just, it's overpowering it. So, oh, yeah. but if those veins are having to steer that arrow and then you throw the broadhead on there and they're having to do that too, now the arrow and the broadhead are kicking the veins butt. I gotcha. So as, so as long as the, the reason that fletchings are even on an arrow is to control the broadhead. Well, for bow hunters, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so do, I don't, I don't even, I guess I, I've never even noticed this. Do field point archers, like competition archers, have fletchings on their arrows? They do, but if you look at them, they're tiny. Tiny. Okay. Tiny, tiny, tiny. Yep. Gotcha. I got gotcha. you, yep. man. That's crazy. A lot of, lot of uh, really good information out of this, man. I, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and this is some of the first times I've ever heard this, you know, this type of content about arrows and, and broadheads and fletchings and the to all this stuff. So this is awesome, man. I, I'm geeking out right now, but I want <laughs> to, I, I want to take some time to talk about day six. So okay. with, with everything that you've just said, how does day six play into everything that you've just said? Well, it's, it's really simple. Um, I was fortunate at a young age to work in a uh, hunting and fishing store. And, um, and it was kind of when the modern compound was really coming to life. Uh, it was back in the late eighties. And, uh, you know, I got to see a lot of really cool companies come to life while we were, while I was there. And, um, and I got an education on, you know, setting up bows, tuning bows, uh, you know, when I was in my late teens in high school and then early in college while I worked there and I got that education, uh, on very early stage modern compounds, which were very difficult to tune, <laughs> not near what we have now. So I had this incredible foundation. So as I moved forward through my bow hunting life, um, I had this incredible foundation and everything just made sense to me. And it was very easy for me to always have my bow and everything tuned properly, understand efficiencies, understand what you needed to, to get good penetration. So I, you know, it just that foundation provided a great base of knowledge for me. So what I saw was everyone I hunted with had no clue. They literally took their bow in a month before the season, bought some arrows. You know, you ask them what arrow do they shoot? They say 28 inches. They don't know what spine it is. They don't know what it means. They know 28 inch arrow, Thunderhead 125. Right. That was it. And so they didn't understand what they had and why they had it and what it did. And they didn't understand why they had very, poor experiences with regards to bow hunting and penetration and being successful. Yeah. And yeah. so I spent a lot of time helping those close to me understand it and setting their bows up for them and, and making them more efficient. It's extremely rewarding for me. Um, but I also knew when I worked in that shop that I was stuck in that shop all the time when I wanted to be hunting and the guys that worked for themselves and were successful in business, they hunted a lot and they got to go do the things that I was dying to do. So I knew that being in that shop or being in a shop was not in the cards for me because I wasn't going to be able to do the things I wanted to do. So I spent the last 25 years, you know, in, you know, business for myself, 
but my dream was always to circle back to hunting and, and helping guys get set up. So this is a quality of life thing for me now. Um, I talk to dozens of guys a day, just like my buddies I've hunted with the last 30 years. They just don't know where to start. And I can take them from zero to the finish line and help them understand it and understand their equipment and their gear and why things are doing what they're doing. So the next go around, they don't need me. They don't, they don't need to be consulted. They understand what's going on and they can be more efficient and knowing your gear and knowing what it's doing. You're just, you're taking that variable out of the equation to be successful. And man, everybody gets a great opportunity at a great animal every year. It's very few are the guys that capitalize on every opportunity. Yeah. Most people walk away with a story. Yeah. If you'll pay attention to the guys that close the deal, the majority of the time, they've got their act together and you need to figure out what they're doing. Right. Right. Well, I tell you what, and you know, I, I, I will say something that, uh, I, uh, I do, you, I, I do use your, your arrows and that's why I wanted you, uh, on the, this podcast. I mean, I, I felt confident with them, uh, this last year and regardless of my knowledge base. And I, I think confidence has a lot to do with how you perceive performance as well. Right. So for, for me, when I ever, I get a, um, a, a product, whether it's archery or not, and I perform, and that task is easier, or I'm better at that task because of something. I look at that and go, it must be this thing, right? So, not only learning about, you know, what you've just said throughout this whole podcast makes sense, and it kind of reflects the Day Six brand and and the products as a whole. But just for me, I felt confident using that product because I feel like I became a better archer when I did that. Well, you just, you just, you, you, you got a product that matched up to your bow. Yeah. Um, and you're basically feeding your bow the food it wants. Yeah. So, um, and, 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 and confidence is that's everything in bow hunting. And, you know, I've spent the majority of my 35 years as a bow hunter now, uh, as a traditional bow hunter shooting trad bows, um, not until the last four or five years that I get back into compound archery. And the only reason I got back into compound archery is so I could be totally up to date, dialed in, in tune with what modern archery, uh, is, is, uh, you know, has available for hunters. I wanted to be able to, to, you know, know it inside and out so I could help the 90% of the guys that call because 90% of them are compound guys. They're not trad guys. Right. So I've spent, you know, the last four or five years really digging back into the compound industry and in the compound hunting. And what I've seen is that all, as a whole, all of the new technology that has been created and generated for bow hunters, um, other than the bows, the bows are fantastic. Um, but everything that goes on the bow and everything that goes with it, all of that technology has taken hunters away from the direction of success. Yeah. It's taken them straight towards um, um, uncertainty and variables and opportunity for failure. And it's heartbreaking. Yeah. So, you know, there's a guy like me saying, hey, this is, this is what's worked for me. I think this is how you should set it up. You have a 0% chance of failure, but the industry is telling them you've got to have all these bells and whistles and gadgets and springs and moving parts. And that's not what bow hunting's about. You have got to eliminate every single percentage of, of uh, the possibility of failure. Yeah. Eliminate all variables. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense, man. Well, I tell you what, uh, I wish I had more time to talk with you today, but we got some time constrictions here. Uh, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on the podcast and chit chat with us. If people want to find out more about day six, where should we send them? 
Uh, well, we, our website is Day Six Gear, and then we're on Instagram at Day Six Gear. And uh, you know, I, I am I am the guy that answers the phone. Uh, I have guys that work for me, but I don't have anybody answer the phone for the company. I do it myself, so I talk to every customer. So, if you need help, you need to try to understand what you got going on. All you got to do is call me because that's why I'm doing this. So, yeah. There you go. Well, thanks again, man. Appreciate it. You bet. And that brings us to the end of another episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast. Man, I really appreciate you guys tuning in and listening. I'm telling you right now, and this may be biased, but I feel that this Hunting Gear Podcast offers a lot of information to guys who are looking to take the next step into educating themselves on their hunting gear. Right, we talk to a lot of people who know a lot of things, and uh, I'm I hope that that is translating into your education. So, thank you for tuning in, and then thank you to Brian today for hopping on and dropping some knowledge bombs on us about uh, arrows, arrow flight, broadheads, fletchings, all that stuff. Man, uh, I I got an education as well, and I love when that happens because I feel that makes for real good content. If you guys want to subscribe, and I strongly suggest you subscribe to the Hunting Gear Podcast, please go to iTunes or wherever you download your episode and subscribe. Share with your friends. uh, Lots of information. Hit me up on Nine Finger Chronicles uh, on Instagram or Facebook and send me a DM of a company or a category that you would like us to kind of cover, and we'll do that. And me and Bob will hop on the phone and we'll chat about it and then we'll get a special a special to a specialist a specialist man I can't talk right now a specialist on the phone to uh, discuss even further and the cool thing about this podcast was yeah this guy's from day six but we talked in generalities and he didn't really push his product and we didn't really focus on his product a lot. We focused on the knowledge that this guy has behind his company and in the industry as a whole. So that's a win if you ask me. Other than that, uh, follow me on Instagram and Facebook. I already said that. Be sure to follow the Sportsman's Nation. Go to sportsmansnation.com and check out the all of the podcasts. And remember, that's S-P-O-R-T-S-M-E-N-S nation.com. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.